Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Myrtle Avenue and Flatbush Extension. I don't know much about my next guest, but if you listen to his newest album, City for Sale, you would agree with me that he's super talented and created a great album. If you then dig deeper into his body of work, you will say, again, this guy is super talented and creates great albums. He's Vaughn P, and I want to welcome him to the Library of Timonica. Thank you for joining me, man. Thank you for having me. So, you know, obviously I want to talk about City for Sale, but let's start with uh, Tanya Morgan, the other guys, and how the differences and similarities of Von P, the solo artist, producer, and Von P as part of Tanya Morgan and part of the other guys. Well, what are the differences? What are the similarities? And also talk about those two groups. Yeah, um, for, for, for TM, it, it's been, we started out, it was myself, Don Will, it was still the two of us, but we also had um, Ilias, he's the third MC in the group, and we had kind of like our um, in-house producer, Brick Beats, they're, they're all from Cincinnati, Ohio. I was the only one from Brooklyn. And um, we we started out, we, we have like albums and EPs and mixtapes, but the, the main projects we have, Moonlighting was our first album that was uh, 2006, and we have Brooklyn Addy. Mm. And after that, um, well, me, me and Brick, we, we always did the, the production, but then we started to branch out once Ilias was no longer part of the group. And you know we're all still people to this day. Like we um we did a a, a crew album, a legendary album, and Elias is a part of that. So we're all still a part of the same collective. Um, but once he left the group, we started to just branch out with our production and start try, try to find a, a new sound as a duo. Mm. We're just myself and Don. So it's been just a journey of um. Tanya Morgan is more about. It's funny. As far as I go, Tanya Morgan is more about uh, like the, the production and like a, a light-hearted, while well, you know, being about being about serious everyday topics and just like we deal with a like we talk about mental health a lot. Like if you listen to Don's album, we talk about mental health a lot. We and then we talk about just being fly MCs at the same coin. So it's like. It's like you know, being being down on yourself, but at the same time knowing you're the flyest, and I, mm. I think that's a theme that carries out a lot on our albums. I was I was jokingly telling Don, I was like, Tanya Morgan is like BoJack Horseman because it'll be about mental health, but then we're also silly, but then we also drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. like 
it's like we 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 got this thing that that it's hard to uh fully put a finger on it but when i try to put a finger on it that's what it is to me and um with the other guys that's you know joe and isaiah on the production side and i just i show up and i I write rhymes. I don't. I don't have to worry about the production. I, I still help out with the um, the sequencing of the albums and you know putting the albums all together because that's one of my favorite things to do. Even when I didn't do any of the beats, I still like that side of production. Awesome. But with the other guys, yeah, I just I show up. I show up and I, I get the beats and I rap and I just I don't have to worry about the beats at all and I I just get to put on whatever. Not a costume, because that sounds like being, you know, like I'm not being myself. But, you know, I just get to be the rapper I want to be that day with with the other guy's project. And um, I, I, I try to make those sound different from what Tanya Morgan is or even what I do on my own. Mm-hmm. So it's most like if you listen to the um the fiasco, that was me saying, okay, I want to make, if, if I had to attempt to make a New York album, because I make a New York album by default, so okay. if I had to attempt to make a New York album, what would that sound like? Just thinking that it would make me do something different, and I think that's what the fiasco was. And uh, that's what I do with the other guys. And then we, you know, we put out the EP of Good Love and Joy, and that was, okay, how, how fast can I make a project that I stand behind? Not mm-hmm. just like throwing songs together, but... Can I can I make a song really quick and live with it and be like, okay, yeah, I like this song, and that's what we did for the EP, and um and for the next we're gonna do another album myself and the other guys and we're trying to figure out what we're gonna do for that one, but it, it's 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 that's just like you know trying to step away from what I do but while still being who I am right with the other guys yeah. Uh, let's turn to your album, uh, City for Sale. It's the first album you've produced entirely on your own. And you said about the album, City for Sale is a breakup album, a relationship album. The son of a woman, it's about my hometown, your hometown, your own way of living. Uh, why, why, why decide to create this album now? Like, what are you seeing that kind of like, all right, I need to, I need to speak on this? Yeah, um, you know, like I was saying, I, I lived in Brooklyn, New York my whole life. That, Brooklyn and um actually that that like in some of the projects in Brooklyn that's the only place I've lived I, I've never lived in another address in New York period so when I when I first moved well actually I, I'll say I was on the road a lot too like starting from 2005 uh, my group Tanya Morgan we were always on the road and even when, when things began to slow down, I want to say that was maybe 2014. Like we, we did an album called Rubber Souls in 2013. And after that is, is when I put out the first Other Guys project and Don started doing more solo stuff. And we just were like slowing down. That was when I had I, I started going out to uh, Paris and I was working with this producer out there, Guts, and his band. And then eventually in 2015, oh no, I'm sorry, it started 2015. In late 2015, Don started coming out. So um, all that to say, I started moving around so much, and I, I I moved out to Maryland when I when I in between being out in Paris, I was also in Maryland with my um, now wife, mm-hmm. and seeing 
how much DC was changing from when, you know, I didn't grow up going to DC, but when my group, when we first started touring, being from New York, it was always easy to get to, of course, Boston, Philly, DC. These were easy places for us to jump and go do a show. And watching DC change and then moving out there and then even watching Paris change and seeing the dynamics out there. And every time I would come back to New York, it was something different. And so many places that I knew that I grew up on that I had ties to as a kid were, you know, they were doubling and tripling the rent trying to get them to, you know, give up their lease and get out of here so they right. can build, you know, whatever. And I, I started paying attention to that stuff. And it just became whenever I would try to talk about, because, you know, rappers, we love talking about where we're from. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I would try to talk about, Oh yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, blah, blah, blah. These, these, this is what I would end up writing about. So I had to turn it into a thing because that's, that's not what this album started as. This album started as more of just like a, just a, another artistic expression of an album. I wanted to try to produce a record by myself and that was the theme initially. But every time I would start, like the first song I did was, um, Here Come the Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that, I wasn't even trying to write about that, but that's what came out. And I don't remember what the, I don't remember what the second song was, but that set the tone for the, for the album. And then I just started heading in that direction. And the theme came about on its own, just for me trying to talk about New York and its current state and not wanting to, I never wanted to be like, oh, I'm trying to bring New York back. I'm trying to go back to the nineties or and I know my sound is like super reminiscent of the nineties, but that's just because that's that's where I came of age, so that's what it sounds like. But I never do that on purpose. That's just my sound. And I, I'm definitely not trying to I don't wanna go back to the nineties or <laughs> anything like that. But that's my sound and I wanted to do, okay, well what is Brooklyn today? Mm. What is New York today? And for me, gentrification is, is that's just what it is today. Because every time I go back home, I'm just watching things change so much, and people that were there their whole life get get you know priced out. Right. So so many artists can't afford it anymore, and you know the the poor folks. We got to go somewhere else now, and you know. So I couldn't help but make an album with that. Like it's like a cloud over the album. Right. Something I really liked what you did with the album is that you know on a on a few tracks you you know you start out with saying the, the kind of the cross avenues, the cross streets, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I and I and I so and I and I and I want to ask you these questions because you 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 are a New Yorker, you know. And I think you know prior to us having this interview, we talked about how very rare it is to speak to a fellow New Yorker. Um, and so I want I, I want you to kind of explain the importance of these cross streets to people. So I, I want to start with a here come like you said here come the neighborhood um, Myrtle Ave and Flatbush extension. For for people that don't understand or know what what are the importance of those two two you know. Two, two names for you, two streets. Okay, because um, I know there's a few, so I'll, I'll try to not ramble too much about each one. <laughs> but, okay, so for the first one, they're, they're all personal 
every every cross section I say is, is personal to me, a personal story that I would have to be asked about. Like you couldn't just hear it and say, "I get what he's talking about." So um, that one, so uh, Fort Greene Project is right there, and to me, because I grew up on Myrtle Avenue and some of the projects, the most glaring piece of um, example of gentrification is if you. If you know, if you remember Fort Greene in early 2000s, 90s, that whole strip from uh, Flatbush Ave Extension up to like Fort Greene Park, it was totally different. It looked it looked more like Harlem mm-hmm. than it looks like today. Like um, it just was like these, like you had like the the neighborhood. I mean, you did it wasn't all good. You had like you know the liquor store, liquor store, liquor store, but you also had like the Chinese restaurants, the laundromat, the um, the five and dime store, and just and it was just all these like people of color lined up on the on the street just chilling and um everybody was enough to everybody was enough to good you know it was some people that was just minos out there or or you know whatever but that's still what I grew up on and that was the first strip of um that was the first strip I saw change so much and now it's like a, it's like a health food store and a wine gallery and and even like uh Fort Green Projects right there, the Ingersoll Projects, a lot of people have been moved out and bought out because they're like, I guess they're going to tear them down eventually or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and they have the, those huge high-rises right there. And growing up, that was like, it was like a, a car wash, a Chinese restaurant, like a, um, a hero shop. Um, what else was right there? I, I think it was like a, a car wash across the street from a car wash for some reason, but... <laughs> It was it was totally different right there, and that was my first real sign of paying attention to what was happening. So that's why I start the album with that because in my world that was the start of gentrification for me. Mm-hmm. And another thing, when I was I was looking up, I don't know the name of that high rise right there, but one day I was I was looking it up online, and I noticed a lot of the uh, the people that were moving in. This is like early two thousands, and they were like, "Well, you know, if you go this way up the street." It's a bit sketchy, but, you know, it's a waiting game. You wait it out. Mm. And I was like, oh, so in other words, like, you're, wait- you're waiting for the people that were always here. Well, not always here, but the people that have, like, made this a neighborhood for the past 40, 50 years or whatever, and, you know, have been victims to, like, drugs coming in and et cetera, so the neighborhood has deteriorated, but it wasn't they didn't just magically wake up one day and say, let's ruin the neighborhood. Right. You know, like I said, so the neighborhood got broken down. And now these, the people that you see that have gotten broken down due to crack epidemic and no jobs and et cetera. Now it's like, okay, let's just wait for them to leave, to die out, get arrested, get priced out. And then we can continue to like, okay, when the neighborhood really starts and they start putting the wine cellars there and the health food stores and blah, blah, blah. That's what we're waiting on. We're just getting in early, right? And that, like, that kind of blew my mind. Being being younger and naive, and not knowing how how it how it works and how it goes, and all of that ties back to that intersection. So that's why I start the album like that. And um, the the 
next one, uh, what is the next one? You want to happen to have them written down. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marion between uh, Ralph and Howard on uh, Let's Be F Real. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I had a I had a, a girlfriend that lives right there. Like, she, um, I vote for, for whatever reason, I've always dated women that didn't live in Brooklyn. I, I wasn't looking for women outside of Brooklyn, but... You know, I've always dated these girls that oh, she's from the Bronx or she's from Queens or there's a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of women from Queens. But the only girl from Brooklyn that I've dated that lived in Brooklyn, she's actually from Staten Island. So I guess I've never really dated <laughs> a girl from Brooklyn. But she, she lived, she lived, um, she lived on that street. And the next song is like you know the the girl song, the love song, and um. Let's, let's, let's be for real and it's followed by Round the Way Girl and that song it's not about her but I just wanted to name again just on an inside joke I wanted to name the girl from Brooklyn that I dated and also the what I consider part two to Let's Be For Real is um, Round the Way Girl and um, part of her story is you know having a, a, a dad in prison and and how it affected her life and i was writing a song like the the, the the child that i talk about in the song and being becoming like his stepfather mm-hmm. it all ties back to her like just being a part of being around her and, and just seeing like her like having her, having pictures of her dad and her admiration for her dad and her mom's new husband and how he had to you know cope with that and and just it just was what it was when he sees his stepdaughter and everything that's about her real dad but that's still in your mind that's still your wife's ex no matter right. what like so selfishly that's still your wife's ex and that and you know part of that is her story and part of it is also my story just having friends in jail and being a child of divorce and having the you know the guy come around that wants to be your your mom's cool boyfriend and so that 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 all ties back to her so that's why I named that street oh dope that one yeah um the uh the norm you did uh Vernon between Lewis and Sumner yeah that's that's Sumner project that's that's um where I grew up. Well, actually, that's excuse me. That's actually three o three, which is a part of some of the projects. But that's where like I really came of age. My mom, my mom grew up on that street since she was thirteen years old, and then she she moved right across the street when she got married to Sumner Houses proper, and that's where I grew up. So um, the last one I say is Sumner Project, and yeah, so that's just like that block they gentrified. It's like you have for everything that's happening around us. There's so much of my life has been so much of my coming of age, and you know my run-ins with police and my run-ins with all things illegal. Just just being a young knucklehead. I mean, I, I never sold drugs or anything myself, but I was around just by law of averages. My my friends and just so many people I were around did that stuff, and them being my friends. I was right there with them. Right. So we were, you know, we get into run-ins, get into trouble, and blah, blah, blah. And it all, it all took place on Vernon between Lewis and Sumner. I want to ask you guys, there's a, there's a, 
A lyric, lyric you uh, you spit in the norm. Um, it goes, Mama said, go to school, baby. Just don't go to jail, baby. Do privileged people say this to their little babies? The new neighbors trying to hurry up and get inside. Now they're Yelp reviewing Kennedy Fried Chicken. Um, can you kind of talk about these lyrics, but also talk about the the importance of um, of people not understanding why you know it changing changing the fabric of neighborhoods. Like you know, you're moving in and not understanding why certain places like a Kennedy Fried Chicken. And you know, I think I told you prior to the interview telling you about how people in my neighborhood complain about Mr. Softy's music playing and how that is really kind of what it means to go into a neighborhood that you don't know and try to change everything about it without understanding why these kind of pieces of the puzzle, pieces of the neighborhood are important. Yeah, you know, like maybe it sounds funny to a person that wouldn't know, but that's that's a cultural thing for me. That's like the Mr. Softy truck at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, it's annoying, but that's that's just what it is, you know. Right. That's like say you like if the, like you hear you hear the sirens all the time, and you can't say hey, or maybe maybe people can complain about the sirens, but it's like hey, turn turn your siren down. It's like no, that's just a part of New York. You hear the fire trucks going all night, the, the police going all night. You're gonna hear people blasting Biggie at least in Brooklyn. Like to this day, you're gonna hear people blasting Biggie all night and. Close your window. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's it's just it's a it's a it's just a part of what it is to live in a city. So when I hear that, the ice cream man is he's letting kids know, hey, come out, come outside. I know it's eleven o'clock, but you're in the house playing video games anyway. It's the summertime. You're not asleep. So ask your mom for two dollars or five dollars, whatever it would cost now with inflation, okay. and come outside and, and, you know, get some ice cream, get a bomb pop or whatever. And it's like, all right, well, you know, tell the, your older brother, older sister, take take them downstairs and get them some ice cream at 1030 at night. And kids are still outside at that time in the summer, too, so it's crazy to complain about something like that. And, um, you know, just like when people complained about Spike Lee's dad playing jazz, and I was like, dude, that's, that's crazy to me. Like, right. he... He's from there, and he's playing jazz. It's not he's playing, like, EDM 3 in the morning or something. He's in there playing a, a saxophone or something. And I, that's just, it, that's a part of what being in a city is. It's not just New York, but if you live in a city, you buy into that. You can go live in a small, in a in the suburbs somewhere, but you're, you're in the city. You, you live by the train. You're going to hear the train rattling all night these are things that you you signed up for but you think that you know because you you're paying for the price you're paying you shouldn't have to deal with that but no that you're paying the price to live here to be a part of the culture and that's a part of the culture and i i think more than like yeah it's, it's mostly people of color but for me more than that it's like don't 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 come to this this place and hate everything about it. Just go back to where you to where you were. Like you just go back. If you were from a quiet town, go to like go live in a, a quiet part of Queens. Go live in a quiet part of Long Island or, or something like that. If, right. if you want to be in a, a quiet part and still be in New York, go do that. But you can't move to you can't move to Harlem and be upset that it's a it's a it's Harlem week. Right. You know, like that's crazy to me. And um, 
the whole thing I was saying about Mama said just go to school is when I, I was um I was talking to my my now wife when I was still recording this album. I remember I was speaking to her. I was out. I was out in Paris at the time, and um, we were on FaceTime, just talking and catching up. And that that topic that came up about because she she's from Detroit, so you know we can also there's a lot that could be said about Detroit too, and what's happening it's starting to happen there. And we were saying how you know it's all about they tell us hey just try not to try to not get arrested, try not to uh, get shot, try not to get you know, whatever, just just go to school, try to, you don't want to get kicked out of school. And it, it was never like, aspire for this. And it was, a, you know, our parents doing their best, the best they can do. Right. But it never was like, aspire for this. It was, hey, just, just go to school. Yeah, yeah just, just survive, exactly. Just go to school. Just, you know, I went to, um, I went to college. I, I, I got my two-year degree. I didn't, I didn't finish out for a bachelor's, but I did get my associate's. And I remember, you know, my mom meaning, I would never say anything bad about my mom ever, but, you know, meaning the best. She was like, you know, just, if you could just go to go to college for a year, just get some college experience. Mm. Don't, you know, like, just, just go to college for a little while if you can. It was like, and I, I was really good in school, but I think she was just saying, you know, if if you get there and you don't want to be there and or you don't like it or if you... If it's trouble where your your teachers don't like you or this and that, just stick it out, just rough it out. Instead of hey, I hope you go and get a master's degree. Right. Just hey, just go and try to tough it out. And so many people did have the same story. You know, just just go to school, just stay away from the police, and you know that's supposed to help you out. They're supposed to be they're supposed to be your heroes, and it sounds. Sounds weird to even say that. It is it, that shouldn't sound weird to say. They're supposed to be your heroes, but they tell us, you know, just just don't get in trouble. Like, just leave the cops alone, and just don't uh, just your teacher, just do what your teacher says, and if you get pulled over, just do what they say. And it's so much of just survive, and it's never like trying to thrive and seek out what what's more. Right. And um, I always I always look to hip hop for that because although people complain about how materialistic hip hop can be when we when it when it does come to um at least when I was growing up cuz now you have more people talking about being an entrepreneur and blah 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 but when I was growing up it was more, you know, my jewelry is fly and I got on a $300 shirt and <laughs> that kind of thing, but that was our that was the aspiration at the time. You know, just have have the, the cool jewelry and have the cool clothes, and then eventually they started telling us, "Hey, open a business. Hey, own your masters. Hey, blah, blah, blah." So that's that's how I grew up, and um, I'm just you know just trying to tell that story. Uh, on on the line, on uh, on the track Frenzy, you know, you do a, obviously an ode to Biggie. Uh, I got seven Mac 11s, about eight thirty eights, nine nines, and then you go Grand Theft Auto. Uh, you know, obviously Biggie line. Uh, can you talk about these lyrics, but also, and you mentioned Biggie before, but kind of what was his his influence on? If you were to take a couple questions, what was his influence on you as an artist? But if you were kind of to take a track that he wrote, or even maybe a verse that he wrote, and you could be a fly in the wall 
watching him do this or spitting it a wish first or you know track would it be I think the, the, the this is kind of morbid but the airiest one is uh, my downfall because I remember the first time I heard that and he's just rapping about his funeral obviously this is after he was killed mm-hmm. and I, it's such an eerie beat that my downfall track so if if i could have been in the studio for any biggie record i i could only imagine it, it had to have been like a weird mood when he was doing that song because it's such a such an eerie record mm-hmm. and him just coming in talking about i was high when they hit me and I mean, you know, he, he was leaving the party. He probably really was high. They probably was smoking at the party. He did get shot. He And then, like, I'm like, I'm at my funeral and I'm leaving my daughter behind and blah, blah, blah. And rapping about it, like, he's not rapping about it in a sad way. And I just can't imagine what it was like recording that song. And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that one. What was the first Biggie song you remember hearing that kind of floored you? First one, um, I remember my, my brother was, uh, he was in the Marines. Back when um, that first Biggie album came out, and he he came home with "Ready to Die" on cassette, and I, I remember listening to it, and it actually didn't it didn't hit me at first because I was more at the time I was more of a Wu Tang guy, more of a, like a Tribe Poor Quest guy. So when I first heard "Ready to Die," funny enough, it just sounded like it just it just sounded like guys I knew around my way so for that reason because it was so normal to me like the whole the drug dealer stick up kid kind of thing where Wu-Tang was more of like a fantasy world and Tribe just Tribe just had like these amazing beats and they just I just wanted to be like them but Biggie it just when I first heard him it's like man I he just sounds like when the dude's up the street and I was too young to realize that was the the quality of it but that for, the, for people that don't live next door to me, he's painting his picture for them. But I remember, um, I think I think the song is "Things Done Change," the first song on that album. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to it, and you know, again, I appreciated this later. But he he sucked me in and painted the picture so fast, and me just, I guess, me knowing what that you know, I was young, but again, being around certain older guys that were doing some of those things. I guess I, I knew part of the picture already, but he painted it. He, he just, he, he, I knew why he was the person he was at that time based on how he painted that picture and things then changed. And that was the first time going back to it later when I was able to really understand it and appreciate it, which wasn't that much longer later. Like I think, just within that next year, by the time Who Shot You came out, I was officially like a Biggie fan. Nice. So and I and then I went back and I was like, oh man, this is this is special. Like but before 
we were like also aware of like you know now an album comes out and we're trying to call it a classic right away but before when we were just all just enjoying the music i was like nah this is like this is something this is something else this is like a like a movie or something and i yeah so i think it was things gonna change it was that one Avon, we talk about, you know, we we talked about Brooklyn, we talk about old Brooklyn, the, you know, the Brooklyn you grew up in, the Brooklyn you're seeing change now. Um, you know, you end, end the album City for Sale with uh, No Award for First, and the, obviously the first words we hear from this track is uh, Sumner Projects. Um, yeah. And you mentioned them earlier. Can you, two things, can you talk about the significance of Sumner Projects to you, how it shaped you, not just as a person, but also as an artist? And then if you, if you, Put yourself growing up in New Brooklyn, like the Brooklyn today. How uh, how do you think you would be different in terms of an artist, or you know, an artist trying to come out of New Brooklyn uh, versus the artist that you are now? You know, for for um, all the all the complaining I do about things that are that are no longer around, it's it's meant. But on the for, on the surface, it's mainly things that I you know I grew up going to Empire Skating Rink and now that's not there. I grew up on the Alby Square Mall and now that's not there. And you know the same could be said for so many for so many other people from so many other towns. So that's why I I wanted like when, in the in the, the piece I wrote about what the album is, I wanted people to know it's about your hometown changing too and and you changing and we know wherever you're from. If you're from a small town. And you go back, and everything is different for for different reasons, based on you know the economy or whatever. That the album is for everybody, but me specifically, growing up in some of the projects, um, being a kid in the '80s and coming of age in the '90s, and being a young adult in the 2000s, and you know 9/11 and the the blackout, and uh, I believe that was '02. I know all these things. It was like we, we, we had all these ups and downs and <clears throat> and I, I talk about it on a you know, Tanya Morgan we work Tanya Morgan's working on a new album and I, I mentioned I talk about the neighborhood again but in like a in a light of the community 'cause I don't I feel like I don't really cover what the community is mm-hmm. on, on my album, but I talk about that a little bit more on the new Tanya Morgan one and how, you know, we would get together for the for the cookouts and it we it wouldn't be fights or a shoot and a blah 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 it would it would end when they would say okay you know the police come open up the street and you know the the uh, the permit or whatever was until eight o'clock so now it's time to open things back up but we would still be out there partying and having a great time all night and it was community and there people from other other blocks other neighborhoods other projects they would come over and if they had friends in Sumner. They would come hang out with us, and then when it was Marcy Day, you know, your your friends from Tompkins would go check out Marcy Day, and they would be there when it was, you know, wherever. And it it just was, it was this sense of community. And at the same time, you you had you had those people that were doing whatever they were doing, and you you, you know you had to deal with that. But that was still somebody's. We still knew. That we still knew that guy's mom, and we would see what his mom went through because he he you know got caught up in illegal activity, 
and, you know, got picked up by the police or, you know, a, a rival drug dealer or whatever, you know, they got caught up and he was killed or whatever. And we would see what that did to his little sister and to his girlfriend and to his mom and to his little brother. And it was, it was still a family based thing. It was still a community where, you know, maybe in previous, previous generations, they would go, excuse me, they would go away to war and you would see what that did to their family. But for me, it was like, if people fell victim to street life, you we would still see what that did to their family. And the bottom line is, is family. It was family. It was community. And it still is family. It still is community. And it's it's not all, it's not all the wire. You know what I mean? Right. It's not all like, it's not all what you hear in, in the, in the, what you hear in like the, you know, the worst, not worse, but like a, in the most, gangster jay-z record or whatever it's it's like there's more to it and that's what it was for me it's just growing up in my community and ultimately us not having much in the greater scheme of things but always having enough and still having those what we consider luxuries whether it was you know fashion luxuries or having the, the new playstation and, you know, one of your friends had it, so everybody goes to that friend's house and somebody else will buy a video game and you all play on their PlayStation or, you know, whatever it was. When you got when you got older and, and you and your friends chip in and buy, like, an expensive-ass bottle of champagne <laughs> yeah. just, to hang, just to hang out in front of the building and drink it because, you know, Jay-Z was talking about this champagne. So now we're sitting here in, in front of 303 drinking this, crystal or whatever but that's just what we're doing because that and we're having a ball doing it and you know just things like that and that's that's how i grew up it, it was a lot of fun it, it was a lot of um you know it was pain and everything else but i always want to bring forth that it was community and family and and friendships at the same time just like any other area right uh last question for you uh you know what um when people go out to 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 cop city for sale, what what do you want their kind of biggest I guess takeaway to be uh, after after listening to the album? I really want them to find themselves in it. Um, for, for people, it's like you know, to as far as New Yorkers go, I hope I hope New Yorkers hear it, and you know, I mean, native New Yorkers. I hope they hear it, whether they're still in New York or they move to Ohio or move south like I did or wherever, I hope they hear City for Sale and hear their sales in it. I hope people that um, move to New York, they they can still relate to it because, you know, it, the album is not anti-everybody that moved to New York. It's anti the system of gentrification and what it does to the the people of, you know, the lesser lesser class financially, not, not socially, but, you know, lesser financial class. Right. And what it what it does to them, and what it does to the artists and creatives, and the culture that New York and the reason New York is cool in the first place. And um, I hope they can they can hear that and understand it on the album. And wherever you're from, if you're from if you're from L.A. and people move there and complain about it, I hope you you hear yourself in it. If you're from if you're from Brixton out in out in London, and you know they're trying to change Brixton up, and you you hear that. You hear my album and can hear yourself in it. If you're from down here in Durham, 
and you, I hope I just hope everybody can hear their self in the album. If if you're around my age, if you're younger, if you're older, if you're from New York, if you're not from New York, if if you know what it's like to grow up and have just enough, and then see your neighborhood. You, you can't afford your neighborhood anymore. You can't afford the things around your neighborhood, and things things are starting to feel like they're not for you. The album is for you, but it's also like it's a it's a fun album too for anybody that hasn't heard it yet. It's not just you know forty minutes of complaining or whatever, and um, it's it's I think it's a, it's a fun record. It's just a real record. It's just my my reality and how I grew up and looking forward at the same time. Yeah, I mean the album is like there's no track that I wanted to skip. <laughs> um, Man, thank you, thank and you. It's a, it's, and it, and it, you know, and every it, every track, I feel relates to each other and kind of tells that story that you know that you're you're able to tell on the album, uh, which I really appreciated when I was listening to it. Thank um, you. I'm big on that. Um, when I first finished it, I sent it to everybody on the album. It was it was 14 tracks, and um, at first they were like, "Man, all these all these songs, all these songs are dope songs. It don't sound like you should cut anything." <laughs> but I was like, you know, and I, I want to cut, I want to like make it as concise as I can. So there was another intro, but the norm covered the intro better than the intro did. So I got rid of that. And um, the other two tracks were like, these, like there are other songs on the album that cover the three songs that got cut. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to like get to the point and not not be redundant and say, you know, this song is about this and that song is about that, which leads to this, which leads to that. And at the end of the album, the last song is supposed to sound kind of like a, that's supposed to be like kind of a, a reminiscent song. Like I think to me it has like a a bit of an old school bop to it, but it still has like a, a futuristic bop to it at the same time. So I wanted that to be like past, present, future. And like, and the first song is, we're moving. We're from Brooklyn, but we're moving into Brooklyn with everybody else. Like, we're moving to the new. We're from old Brooklyn, moving into the new Brooklyn, and it just tells that story. So it's like a it's supposed to be like a cycle. If you want to hit play again, you could just start it over. So I'm I'm happy that you say that, man. So, man, uh, new album is City for Sale. Uh, artist is uh. Von P. Uh, it's a. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm truly grateful that I got to you know, not just listen to this album, but then also go back and listen to all your body of work. It's been great uh, listening to your music. Uh, I'm thank you. Now a big fan. Uh, so, <laughs> thanks, man, for doing this um, the interview, and uh, thank you for being on the library with Tim Ivan Kelp. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.